I stand firmly in the fact that I'm one of the best to ever do this for the culture, for my coast, and for my city. This is the best rapper in LA podcast. 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 And I'm your host, Merce. 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 What up, though? What up, though? What up, though? We're back. Another week. We started something and we're going to finish it, people. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The ugly being songs and moments like this that are very humbling. Very, very humbling. The Scuffle is a song we're going to start with today because we got to the fourth song. Southern California underground funk assassin known for blasting competition. Break them up like new edition. I'ma rob you, rob you, rig you with mics and make you question your commitment like my dicks and your wife. And I'm hitting it right. Now how's that for a visual to make your brain stall? Your old ball and chain now chain to my balls. I'ma rain till I fall. When I do, I get a stunt double. Like the player smart, so I pump when there's trouble. Why you trying to go for broke with the punks in your huddle? I play Voldemort and bring the magic. If you're listening along, great. Sorry. This is awful. Great beat. Shout out to Ono. Representing the Ox. Yeah. Man. Uh, I think we... This is like a few of the beats I paid for on this album. I believe we paid for this. Or maybe we had an exchange. I don't remember. Definitely resulted with me having a, a, altercation, a near altercation. Me... Jumping on a table at a diner, threatening to beat someone up over this. So there was some, yeah, there was some uh, miscommunication, and uh, someone was talking to someone about something, and someone said disparaging things about me. So when I caught up to them, I exploded. That's often how it, it is. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll hold something in, even if I don't remember what it is. I will tell you to your face. I don't like you. You said something and fuck you. And we'll start there. But yeah, I, I, before I reply on social media, before I text you, call you, I will just wait and wait and wait. And if I don't see you, then I just see it, you know, as it was fate. But if I see you, I ran into, let's just say I ran into an individual. I've had a couple individuals over, 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 over 50, possibly over 60 men that I've had to hold accountable for various, a couple things. One of them finally said to me, like, look, what are you going to do, man? Are you going to beat me up? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> well, I finally caught him. Um, the other one would just run from me whenever I saw him. God bless his soul. I think he's no longer with us. Stupid, 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 stupid. Like this song, stupid. Uh, Southern California underground funk assassin. It starts with that, which is a shout out to the cuff. California underground funk. One of my favorite rap groups from Sacramento, Crush, Nate the Great, Pete B, and uh, Brother RJ. They have an album called Federal, Federal Expressions, which is, to me, one of the best hip-hop albums to come out ever. One of the best hip-hop albums to come out of Sacramento. Man, mama was on the dang tip and daddy was on the dang tip. Now I am on the dang tip, so mom's a pop that can't trip. Cause I remember all them Nicholas Park picking it back in 76 and it's the grown folks kicking it. Afros with picks in it, barbecues fixing it. Like a soul kitchen, roll up a foul. Oh, daddy's blowing smoke in my face. And of course, when he gets Nate Curry, 
who is the son of Nate the Great, um, also collaborated. He did the beat for one of my newest singles called Adam West Coast. Shaka Khan, Shota Khan, mind, soul, body, karate, go beyond limits. Fuck limits, cause there is none. Pacifist for peace, but you can put me with the big guns. Boom, boom, I let it fly when I see you. And hopefully he'll be on my new albums. Nate the Great is going by space now with, I think you spill the A with a V and there's a B. I don't know. He He's hip. I'm not. Um, but he's still one of the best MCs. I haven't really heard much from Crush and RJ and everybody. But Living Legends and The Cuff used to have something called The Fun Gang we spoke of. Uh, so that was just a shout out to them. And it's all downhill from there, folks. Um, I go into a Ronnie Bobby... Rob you, Bobby, review something, trying to do Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike. Poor choice. Something like just rapping for the sake of rapping, and it wasn't even good. If you guys know that, uh, Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike, if I like the girl, who cares who you like? So why don't you fellas just leave me alone? Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike, if I love the girl, who cares who you like? Cool it now, you got to slow it. So that was just me referencing that. Later on, we'll get to a New Edition Beatles thing later where I believe that New Edition and the Beatles are the greatest groups in music history. Black music, New Edition, um, white music, popular music, uh, whatever you want to call it. Rock and roll, the Beatles, R&B. Let's just let's do away with the race. We see no color. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, R&B, New Edition, and uh, the Beatles rock. But if you don't want to separate, there's two of the most important groups. So I wanted to mention that my best friend, uh, Herm, and I, DJ Herm, and I had a thing where whoever would find any heartbreak, the remix to any heartbreak is so fucking dope. once, twice a week at this place called PDQ in Tucson. If you're a crate digger, you know, like Numar, Cut Chemist, Z-Trip, everybody will pop up there late 90s, early 2000s. We go to our favorite restaurant. If you're ever in Tucson, please go to Bobo's on Grant Road. There are no vegan options. Um, but we'll get to that later in this song too. But great service, great people. And PDQ used to be right around the corner. So we go eat our breakfast and then we go digging. And... uh Oh, you have to buy, it's like a thing, you have to buy the copy of Any Heartbreak. I think I got, or he got the first one before me, and uh, it's been a thing ever since. Yeah, what else we got? Oh, yeah, something about my dick and your wife. What was I talking about? I never had sex with anybody's wife. I don't think I have ever had, except for my own. And maybe someone's ex-wife. But I, it's, it was a larger metaphor and ball and chain, chain to my balls. What? Man, grow up. But you got to grow up in order to grow up, you know? It's embarrassing now. My children have to hear that shit. Wasn't thinking. No one to tell me better. Children with no fathers. Where where was my father? He probably would have told me to go for it, though. Um, Something about stunt double. When I fall off, I get a stunt double, which is also a reference to uh, Lucky and I. When we were dating on the road, 
or when I was dating on the road, we would come up with the term stunt double. My my rule of thumb was that uh, if we were dating and we wanted to be exclusive within your region, I would divide it into region. I was touring so much at this time that, okay, this would be your region. If I met you in New Orleans, I wouldn't date anyone from Austin to Tallahassee. And you could ride with us, you ride or ride on the bus or ride behind the bus, most likely in our own car. And we could, you know, there's an exclusivity. When I was out of town, I would just ask, you could have a stunt double, just not another rapper. Because my schedule didn't permit to me to be in a committed relationship, something like that this time. That was, this is, um, like I said, I'm just figuring it out. Please judge me because I'm judging myself. This is really hard uh, to do. I didn't think this would be hard work. But this is hard work. Uh, so that was my shtick spiel with stunt doubles. And, uh, you know, I was cool with the stunt double and everything. Being um, adult, I guess polyamorous is what the children call it now. But I didn't have the term for it. A lot of these things, boundaries, triggered, polyamorous, all you guys, uh, you know, non-binary, things like that. There were All these things, I guess, existed. We just didn't have the names for them. The hook is the same format that I always use. At the end store for this, uh, Album, I met some kids from Atlanta in a group called Supreme, Supreme with two E's, uh, Sam, Nagasi, and Shaka. Hey, yo, every hour on the hour, I devour cowards who would rather cower than collide with supernatural powers. Why I write, why I rhyme, why no. do I do this rap shit? Why I'm absolutely I just tell them this. Every hour on the hour, I devour cowards who would rather cower than collide with supernatural and they were at a girl that they knew brought them to an in-store I had in Atlanta. And basically, they were 15, 16. And one of them, Shaka, came up to me and was like, yeah, you're nice, but my man's is nicer. <laughs> basically, like, at my own in-store. So I was like, let me hear you. And uh, the kid was nice. I was like, you're dope. You remind me of how dope me and my friend. Like, I was in 3MG. We were fucking that dope when we were 15, 16, too. Mother like, I was like, so? You know? Like, okay. Uh, yeah, and? And uh, we became friends. We laughed. Uh, and uh, when I later on, we'll tell the story when we get to that album. But uh, I ended up helping them get signed or signing them to Warner Brothers and Record Collection with me. Yeah, we'll get into that story when it comes up. But Nagasi, the youngest member of the crew, was the first person to point out me. He's like, all of your songs have this format. You say, bad man, never looked at you and disrespected you. H-U-S-T-L-E, hustler. Da, 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 da. Like, you repeat, you say one thing, and then you have filling in with different rhyme schemes, and it'll drive you crazy, just like on Mercer's War. You are now in the zone. Lay back and focus on the tone. Forget it. You are now in the zone. I was learning the right hooks. I come from a group. Should have probably always been in a group. Uh, second verse, something about a girl being Hispanic and black. I don't know if that's offensive now. It's offensive to me. It was a compliment. I had an early fascination with uh, Dominican women. With, you know, African 
Latino, whatever, Taino, roots. I don't know the genealogy. This is before I even knew the Dominican Republic and Haiti were on the same island. I didn't even take time to learn my geography. I just, I figured when I was younger, if I ever went to Dominican Republic or Brazil or something before I was married, I probably wouldn't return. So I didn't really look into the geography. Yeah, probably for the best thing for me. Uh, I said, you don't want beef because you're a vegan bitch. And now I am a vegan bitch. And bitch, I am a vegan. Um, this is before I became a vegetarian, like around 96. And then I started eating chicken again because it was, it was expensive kind of back then and unhealthy just to eat French fries all the time. And it was easier to eat chicken when you're on the road and when you're in Europe. And eating, I would eat chicken nuggets and at McDonald's because they were cheap and accessible in Japan. Same thing. I also didn't know that. So chicken and turkey. I haven't eaten beef, fish, or pork since I was a teenager at this point. And uh, like my diet, fucking man. But it feels like you have to defend your diet, your political stance, everything. So I wasn't vegan yet. I had discovered that I've been having really, really extremely bad stomach aches since I was a child. And they thought I had giardia and parasites. And I got all these tests done on me over the years. Once I ended up in the hospital so bad, I was, let's just say, passing blood. And, uh, I don't even remember. I passed out. I had to have a transfusion. It was a disgusting debacle. And uh, I ended up in the hospital for a few days. And uh, they did a colonoscopy. Couldn't find anything wrong. But I had just discovered, since I didn't eat beef, I had just discovered chicken cheesesteaks in Berkeley, this place on University, uh, down by the waterfront, uh, I think, towards the bridge. And... Man, I ate literally, and I was dating a girl that lived near there. And I would eat it on the way to her house and on the way home in the morning and get one to go for dinner. I was just, I had finally been able to participate in cheesesteaks. I had heard about them my whole life and I didn't eat beef. Or not my whole life. I haven't heard, but I discovered them as I tra started traveling. And I wanted to have, anyway, I would start eating these. And that's what made me so sick that I lost so much blood. I, I, I passed out. It was horrible. I happened to be trying to bum a ride to L.A. with the fan that I met on Telegraph. I was selling somebody a tape or at a club or something. They said they were on their way to L.A. I was like, can I ride with you? And they were giving me a ride, and they ended up having to drop me off at the hospital where I stayed in the middle of Central California for a few days. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I'm in, I'm in the hospital, and they put you in a room with, you know, your roommate. And uh, I'm going to say it because this is, a you know— I think people know where I stand on the issue, and this is not a derogatory term. He used the term in its original saying. I was coughing because I was basically having withdrawal. I was from cigarettes, not being able. I couldn't get up out of bed. I was so weak. So I couldn't go out and smoke a cigarette, so I'm coughing. And the guy next to me is an older white man, and he's coughing. And he goes, you smoke fags? And I was like, huh? I was like, cigarettes? Yeah. I started smoking fags back in WW2. And I was like, yeah, man, well, I could tell right now, listening to you and, and me being in this state, I'm going to quit. And I think he said something like, I bet you don't. And uh, when I finally did quit cigarettes, I could hear that guy's mouth. Uh, mouth, but yeah, I could hear it saying, I bet you don't. He was my inspiration. So wherever you are in the great beyond, sir, I did it. I've only had a few cigarettes. 
in the past decade or so. I didn't think I could beat that one or not beat it, but I don't think I didn't think I could stop that one. So um, shout out to him wherever he <laughs> he is. Yeah, but yeah, I think he said, I bet you don't like coughed himself into a fit, like into a sleeping fit, a, a, a coffee fit that led to him just passing out. I bet you don't. <laughs> and I thought it was the most asshole shit, and I was mad, and I was in pain, and I wanted a cigarette, and I was irritated. But it motivated me. Maybe that was his goal, being an old uh, veteran. Just imagine... I brought it up last. It's kind of hard not to talk about in certain ways, but man, there's a lot of people with really strong opinions right now, and there was no social media in World War II. You had to get up and go kill Nazis. It's weird, man. It's really weird to see people. I'm okay with you posting your stance, but when you are posting images and like, yeah, we killed them and they killed, like, like you're getting like, you pulled the trigger is when I, like, unless you're, you know, Coming from gang culture, it's hard for me to respect someone talking death and not actually being active. You know, it's a it's a serious, serious situation outside all around the world right now. But yeah, the, like the gentlemen and women from that era and the they them, you know, every it was just such you that time on earth. And I'm sure our, hopefully, our children's children will look at like, man, they suffered because we should be getting better. And I don't know if we're getting better as far as morals and world peace, but, uh, you know, the type of like, you know, there's dysentery. There's all kind of things going on. For that man to make it to that hospital where I was and having served in WW2 was a miracle in and of itself and takes grit and, and strength that I'm not sure many of any living generation has anymore. Or maybe they do. I mean, I definitely know some people, you know, inner city, and they're, they're, yes, they do. I may be wrong in assuming that it was the majority back then, working with your hands, building something from the ground up, being a person of your word, and putting your life behind those words and behind those stance and those ideals. Right or wrong, putting your life on the line behind your ideals. Imagine if before you had to post something on social media, and that's where I praise gang culture because I come from a culture where your life is on the line when you say something sometimes. When you wear something, when you walk out of your house wearing something, you have to be ready to die for it. Not much less say something or your actions. And, you know, it's it's exaggerated sometimes in America, but, you know, even just being a black person in certain parts of America, walking out of the house in your skin, you have to be prepared to die. And now motherfuckers are online all willy-nilly throwing shade, throwing shots. Like, who are, who are you people, man? Like, have no value for the sanctity of life or just... Like a code, like your word is your bond. Think about it before you press send on that post. Opinions are okay. Sharing newsreels, that's all that is fine. But I've seen some deplorable shit. And if there are sides to both sides of this thing right now that's happening, but any scene with BLM, with with Ukraine and Russia, with they like any of the like if you're not outside, temper yourself. If you're protesting and blah, 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 that's fine. You're saying it with your whole chest. You're That's the closest you can get to the front line, some people. 
And I and I respect that. But there are the armchair shit has gotten me my whole career. That's why I don't consider I try not to do conscious rap. I do woke and conscious things in my actual life, but rapping about them never goes over well because people don't really respect that for me for whatever reason. They like my girl raps or when I rap with white rappers better, that's fine. But some of the rappers in the woke genre don't put their all into it. I love what Ali does. Sage Francis B. Dolan, you know, me and Sage have had our things over there, but I respect his action. Same thing with a moral technique. I would definitely respect his action away from the mic. Whatever it is, be about it. I don't want to see it in your story. I don't want to, I, or if I do, I want to see you active. I want to see you actively pushing your agenda, especially if it's positive. Um, I fight the fight in my way, you fight the fight in your way, but the people who are on the sidelines not fighting are infuriating. When action wasn't fashion, you were such an easy mimic. Bumper sticker, quote, lifting, grip no statistic. Grass for the straw man, born again, cynic. Fair weather, firebrand, spark my suspicion. Knew you were the type to take the fight like a gimmick. And rock the t-shirt when your sweat wasn't in it. The clock is still ticking for the victim of the future. You wait until they look like you to ever choose, but... Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Damn. Now let's get back to my horrible raps. Maybe we'll break that up with the commercial. Bowers and Sons Cleaners. Since 19, shit, I don't know, some 48, my mom's gonna be mad. 70-something years in the community here in South Central, Central and Adams, 2509 South Central Avenue. If you need dry cleaning, same day dry cleaning before 10 a.m., get your clothes in, you get them back the same day. We do do deliveries. Bowers, B-O-W-E-R-S, and Sons, Bowers and Sons Cleaners, even though it's my mother who took it over at this time, and my stepfather. Shout out to my uncles and my grandma. It's been the family business my whole life and my my mother's whole life. My grandfather bought it from my great-grandmother. So this business has been in our family. Dry cleaning has been in our family for a long time. I may um, pick up the mantle here in a couple years. So make sure you stop in if you need any dry cleaning or you want it delivered anywhere in reasonable L.A. region. I think we go from South Central to West L.A. and downtown. I drive the route sometimes. If you see me, I see a lot of y'all out there. You see me in the van. My parents go on vacation. I get in the van and handle some business for them because it's the least I can do. Bowers and Sons Cleaners, 213-749-3237 is the phone number. All right. Um, shout out BLX. BLX were some of the first rappers that had me up in Westwood. Shout out to... Craig Malkovich, Malkovich, who's also served as my publicist, a.k.a. James Dunn. He has an amazing series I hope he gets back into called One Bag. He's currently living in Vietnam. He's lived in Namibia. He is, uh, I guess, a, one of the first Persian friends I made. And I didn't know Persian people were from Iran. Um, he has some amazing pictures of what Iran was like before the current or before the ever regime took over. Yeah, he put out a book. I believe it was amazing. Um, I think it was a book. I don't see the book. I just saw the photos online. Just a really interesting, dope MC, dope cat. Uh, Omni, uh, Mo Man, Croc, Charles. It was a, do a group of uh, dope MCs. 
Craig Malkovich, Arabic descent. Main event in the flesh, represent East West. North, South, South, North, South. Palm down jaws, unannounced outpours. Kick down doors, so bounce or Get caught in mic war. Chippers is what we fight for. Stage predators, busting mics like black tech. Strong on the sound man for tight sets and sound check. Respect, we the best, and that's no empty threat. I rep the BX. You mean the BLS? Whatever he said. We stop like T-Rex. Open them up like C-Sex. What you see? Please spec. Come on, man, what you expect? Mike rejects. Better watch each step. Knees bent on the cement. Three dead, a week is Yeah, Gershwin BLX uh, making dope music. Hopefully they're going to work on reissuing some of the classic underground hip-hop. If you can Google it and you are a fan of L.A. Um, indie rap, it is dope as fuck. So I shouted them out. You just might regret it. That's how I got these panic attacks and ran it with raps. That's cold as a chick mixed Hispanic with black. But still spit it so hot to have to ban it from wax. Or at least press it on that heavy European shit. So you can't want beef when you're a vegan bitch. Props to BLS. I hope y'all see them checks. I'm up in women from the back like a CRX. And real heads can stop waiting cause we are next. Death J-U-X and living legends coming through when I play two sets. Like Shock G and D, you don't know the half I'm blowing up. I call you C2, treat it like an opening act, a movie preview Cause everybody in the house came to watch what we do Since your rhymes are as fly as a fucking emu So even if I only make MTV2 It's better than me stuck in a rut being you Two sets like Shock G and DU I'm not gonna get into particulars But I still have never seen Humpty and Shock G in the same place you don't know the half about blowing up, so I'm going to call you C2. Ooh, bars, because C4 is explosive. You don't know the half, so C2. Ooh, lyrical lasers in your eyeballs. Oh, like I said, this is hard, man. So I'll call you C2. Also, a shout-out to my homie C2 that uh, cuts at, or used to cut at Legends Barbershop. I believe he's off La Cienega, still cuts my brothers here. Shout-out to C2. I believe his son is producing his dope. Um, you're about as fly as a fucking emu. Whatever. I was really fascinated with Australia still and uh, emu reference. I hadn't heard emu in a rap, so there's that. Um, and then and never make if I only make MTV two, which I did end up making MTV two. All this is, you know, I did end up working with Shock G. I did become a vegan. Look at the power of words. Um, yeah, MTV2 went to the Woody Awards. Me and Slug got invited. I don't know if we presented an award, this felt. Um, but yeah, we sat at a table. We sat at a table with Lady Sovereign and Imogen Heap. And it was the first time I met my homeboy, Travi, from Gym Class Hero. Shout out to him. Um, he was, They were just blowing up, and he wound up being a fan, and we ended up kicking it for for years after that. Uh, being becoming a good friend, I really love Travi. He refused to be on Mercer President because the song I sent him was inappropriate as fuck, and he called me out on it, and I'm glad about that. That's all I'll say about that. He said, save me from having to do another breakdown and embarrass myself. It wasn't crazy, but it was something like this, where it's like, why would I rap about putting my dick in your wife when I've never put my dick in anyone? Why? Because I'm fucking 10. 10. If you have, if you're a man out there and you have a, a chat with your boys where you send fucking stupid shit, fart jokes or whatever the fuck, because we're still fucking 10, possibly 12, 10. I shouldn't have even had a microphone maybe at this age. I don't know. Or just a decent producer. 
And it's not fun. It's whatever. Like, there are grown men older than me still rapping about the shit. Uh, you know, there's a recent rapper that I saw, like, you, and we all know you're married and you're 38, bro. What the fuck are you saying? You're supposed to be one of the greatest lyricists and then you're on a song talking about you fucking on, fucking on, you fuck on your bitch? Huh? And you're even supposed to be one of the, I don't know, woke? I don't know, man. It's weird, bro. It's so weird. And then when they rap about their boys fucking on your girl or something, it's just so weird and there's so much like homoeroticism and man. But now there's words for the spectrum. If you want to be on like, if you enjoy that, like I can't even, not stomach, but like I'm, it's hard for me to listen to me talking about me talking about what my dick does. I can't even imagine making a lyric where I was proud of what some someone, another man's dick did to someone else. Huh? What are we talking about here, guys? What's going on, man? Just date your friends if that's the point. I don't know. It's weird, man. Um. Anyway, we got to see with Imogen Heap and Lady Sovereign. Lady Sovereign, I don't know. Everybody get around them. All girl them. All my them. And she had a this to Britney Spears something. I was like, bitch, you're orange. She was a, one of the first grime rappers, kind of grimy, UK. Bro, let me just tell you, the British women were so trill that night. I believe Lady Sovereign may or may not have punched someone in the face for telling her she couldn't smoke it in the awards during the filming of the show. And then Imogen was like, let's go out and get drunk. Very tall, just, you know, tall, beautiful woman. Like, it's like a, she's like a spectacle. Like, she had on these peacock feathers and blah, blah. She outdrank. All of us, I think, I think that was, a, yeah, I don't want to tell her, but it was a wild night. Where are we? What the hell is going on? It was fun as fuck. Just a, just a good old, good old, like a platonic partying with a couple British people and having great drinks. I got a text from DJ Paul living in Wisconsin. Um, Tim Baker is listening from the Almighty Hangar 18. They are definitely a part of the le Jux legacy. But around this time, I believe we had a party at some huge venue in one of the bigger venues in New York City. God, I can't remember the name of it now. Alaska will probably tell me later. Um, Wind and Breeze in Alaska. And man, I got so drunk because the flyer says, I see it somewhere. Is it the Bowery Ballroom? And then the one that has a, has a bar underneath. I started drinking. I believe I started drinking on the plane to New York because L had me out there in the winter, like right after Christmas, I believe. And I, I fuck cold. 
I'm Californian through and through. I really believe my ancestors are from somewhere in the northern African deserts. I don't like to drink a lot of water. I enjoy 100-degree weather, and I do not like the cold at all. I have a very outwardly adverse reaction to the cold. Not like I break out, but I start cursing. I want to punch things and people. I do not. <laughs> yeah, we were we were filming for uh, Rock the Vote on the Mercer President Tour, and like we had like MTV Rock the Vote, the cameras on the bus. I was like, the cold sticks to your clothes. If you're from California, you've never traveled in the winter, you don't know, but the cold will stick to your clothes. I just ran through the bus screaming. I didn't give a fuck who was on there and just ripping off my clothes. It was so cold. It may not make sense, but the bus was warm, but I was still cold because the jacket and the clothes on me were cold. So I just started stripping down. I think I got to my thermals or long johns or whatever you call them. Oh, no, that's where we had red buttholes. The the onesies that you see, like the uh, the the like the old coal miner, country, redneck, whatever you want to call them, people wearing the cartoons, like the onesie, red, that button down the front and have the flap in the back so you can shit. They're like pajama, but like thermals. We found some at, in Montana at an army surplus, so we all bought the red, we called them red buttholes because they had a little slot in the back for you to shit in the outhouse. So yeah, I stripped down to my red buttholes. It was screaming. Anyway, back to, so I'm in New York for this party and come get drunk with Merce. They made me the, like, the lieutenant governor of the, it was like a parade kind of flyer, all these stars. I think FaZe or Futura did the flyer, some legendary New York graffiti artist. Thank you, L. I didn't find out till later, but amazing that, that a legend worked on a flyer I was on. And, like the old school, like the Lion Arts dope with the, like my picture inside of a, a star, RJ, Ace, me, uh, Hangar 18, SA Smash, Camus, and, and Keith, and uh, Metro. And I I remember, like, these motherfuckers, Hangar 18, were walking after the show. I believe I started drinking some day drinking. And there's a bar that leads up that you can party in before you go let people up to the thing. I believe it was a sold-out show. And so it said, come get drunk with Merce. So in the bar... Before the show, people are buying me drinks, and it is, I'm plastered, hammered, and at the end of the night, we're walking after the show, and this motherfucker, Alaska, or Wind Breeze, or both, one of them, because people in New York, your trash is just thrown on the street. It's fucking very uncivilized. Trash is on the street, it sits by the curb, so there's whole-ass Christmas trees. They hit me with an old, cold, wet Christmas tree. We begin to have Christmas tree fights all throughout New York. Drunken, slush, Christmas tree fight. We're hitting each other with Christmas trees. And I think at one point, one of them punched me, actually punched me in the face. And we were fighting for fun, hitting each other with Christmas trees. Predetermined version, more of a than a person. Nature versus nurture, take the stage, close the curtain. And let's applaud the more assured statement that I'm painting. There's a shortage of the lost sophistication through creation. Wow. Single-minded. Anger 18, bro. Some wild motherfuckers. Shout out to them. All buttoned up and square-like now. But I know the real you. My dream would be able to walk up into whatever Wind and Breeze or Alaska are doing now and hit them with a whole-ass Christmas tree while they're trying to do their fucking PowerPoint or give their sermon or teach nursery school, whatever they're doing, just smack the shit out of them with a Christmas tree. And then pour absinthe all over their body. We'll get into the absinthe story later on. 
That's my dream. Thank you, Alaska, for listening. Alaska has a dope or had a dope podcast I never got to do. I'm sorry. And you're probably way better at this than I was. Anyway, New York, MTV2. I don't even know where I was with this shit. Uh, we've gone off on so many tangents, as we do every week here. And we're only one song into <laughs> the... But this is why this shit will take forever. But I wanted... It's like I wanted to climb Mount Everest when I was 50. And it's like environmentally insensitive and a whole bunch of other shit. So this might be my Everest. Y'all might be climbing Mount Everest. Something that I'm really doing for myself that I can tell other people. You guys may be my Sherpas helping me up the I thing. Shout out to Ananda and all my friends. I think it's just my friends that listen to this podcast. And I don't know why you would. But Ananda also sent me one of her early songs. And I don't know if she was trying to be in solidarity with me. But Ananda, your music is already better. Your first recording is already better than some of the recordings on this album here. That shit was dope you sent me. Um, your voice is just amazing. So shout out to Ananda Rose. If you haven't heard of her, check her out. And thank you for listening. This is a song of a woman whose voice is roaring. Too big for her body, not afraid to question. Societal standards are how we be addressing. Choosing litigation tactics over conversation. This is a lion on the arms that says we shine through darkness. People acting petty, we just rise above it. There's the water in the storm that makes the flowers grow. Not the thunder of a system that we see us choke. As the rich gets richer, I might get bitchier. So graceful as um, this next song is, is is important to me for many reasons. Uh, one of the it's the first beat I ever paid for. Um, shout out to Jism. I heard this beat and this song just jumped out of me. Um, this is the beginning of me really writing two beats instead of not beginning, but me perfecting the art of writing two beats and waiting till I hear a beat that speaks to the topic that I already have within me. I didn't know I wanted to make a song about this. I didn't know that I needed to make a song about this. Wasn't my goal, but this hook just came to me. Last night I almost got shot on my block. Not the block where I live at, the block where I chill at, where I keep it real at. It used to pack still at times I feel it's the spot I'll get killed. Last night I almost got shot on my block. Not the block where I live at, the block where I chill at, where I keep it real at. It used to pack still at times I feel it's the It's a really uh, spiritual experience. And I think that's also why songs like The Scuffle exist. That's what came out of me. And I've learned not to restrict that process. The Scuffle is not a great song, but it's something that is what was speaking to me. So I did it. And learning to refine that instead of squash it is to me the art and the artistry, the technique. Because once you start, I call it God. You call it what you want. When God is flowing through you or the spirit is flowing through you, you don't want to squelch it or restrict it. Because then I feel like it's, or the muse, you know, it gets turned off. If you want to say muse, you know, it gets turned off. It won't visit, you know. But if you let it flow through you and you learn to refine it, restrict it, shape it, it's better than just shutting it off. I'm, restri- I'm not restricted, but I'll reshape it. It's better than shutting it off or trying to restrict it. Um, so putting, you know, I believe that it's a, a live energy that likes to be heard and seen. And sometimes you can just not put those songs on the album. I hadn't learned that. And as we, you know, from from perspective, that is why I met Ninth and he was like, 10 songs, that's it. Really nine songs in the intro. That's it. That's all we need, you know, because I went overboard on this record, putting out everything instead of recording a group of songs and then letting the muse fly through. That doesn't mean it needs to come out. It just needs to, 
come. It doesn't need to be released, but it needs to be released. Get it? Um, so this song, I heard this beat. I had to have it, even though I never paid for it. I haven't gotten free beats from Sunspot Jones, Eli, LP. I've been giving beats or working in trade with like Elusive, giving him a song for a beat or giving him a verse for a beat. Charge, being charged for a beat was new, but I knew that I had to have this beat and it was worth it. Still feel the same way. Uh, the night before. Now some claim gangster raps to CNN of the streets, but it's used as an excuse to pretend over beats. So I'ma lend my speech to all within my reach to tell what really goes on from sales to the streets. Now in LA, as you know, there's a war going on and it's been going on since before I was born. Though the undisputed origin has yet to be formed at all. Used to boil down to the red and the blue, but that got fucked up as the many led the few. Now there's bloods killing bloods and crips killing crips. That's niggas killing niggas. They play kickball with it. Ain't as simple as it was way back in 86 let me give an example on some old merch shit my sect of mid city is living on the edge cause there's four gangs of war and none of them wear red any new car I face could mean bloodshed which led to the other night i'm in my girl's bug right about to hit the block to see who's chilling on the spot outside when i put it in park the homie got an sk aimed at my rise so i step out slowly body numb with fear he yells that's merch i see his beard from here but i told this whole story just to make things clear so it don't seem weird when I tell you this here. Last night I almost got shot on my block. This first line also came to me. The hook came to me and almost immediately, five seconds into hearing the beat. And the and the first verse, the start of this. They some claim gangster raps to CNN other streets, but it's used an excuse as an excuse to pretend over beats. Intricate or you know, inner rhyme patterns and everything, but still probably one of my if I can bash myself, I can praise myself, I guess. One of my favorite lines, uh, perform this a lot on tour. Second verse, we use the Obi Trice beat. I don't know which one. Use that when we're performing. It, it went hard. The first verse is about me pulling up to the block and my girlfriend at the time's new Volkswagen Beetle had tinted windows. I like to address the gang problem in Los Angeles and pretty much across the United States, but I can only speak on what I've experienced because every city has their different politics. I don't want to make any assumptions, but in LA, I consider it a war. It is a blood feud, multi-generations, four to maybe five, three at minimum generations deep in some neighborhoods, maybe six. I am hesitant with ceasefire and truce in those terms. I am cautious when using those words. So many, you can't tell someone who's lost their grandfather, their uncle, possibly an auntie or a cousin, a brother, to make peace with the faction that murdered their loved one. Unless you've lost in this war, be mindful of your place. I've lost in this war and loved ones, and I am still very cautious with my place and when I speak. So being said that this is an active war zone, this is late 90s, early 2000s, early aughts, as the children say. I just learned that term. Shout out to the homie Tugboat for putting me up on that. In the early aughts or uh, late 90s, my neighborhood, I've just been made aware that uh, the jungles, 
uh, the blood neighborhood that's featured in the movie Training Day is not a part of Mid-City. I always assumed it was. Maybe it's just my hopes for inclusion. So where I grew up, Mid-City, it's nothing but Crip gangs. But people assume, if they're not from here, that Crips all get along. It's not. There's very different Crips. There's deuces, trays, hustlers. It goes on and on. To depths I don't even fully understand. If uh, gangbanging was hip-hop or indie hip-hop, I would know Aesop Rock, MF Doom. You know, I know some some indie artists if, if, if gangbanging was hip-hop, but I wouldn't know the uh, Serengetis or the Anticons or the the Deeper Cuts, the B. Dolans, some of the real gems. So they're, they're, that's my knowledge of gangbanging is deeper than most, but not deep enough to be an expert. But there are four, four Crip gangs. They don't all get along. Um, at this time, the one in the neighborhoods bordering the neighborhood I lived in was at an all-time high, as far as I know, all-time high. So things were on edge. When we hung out on Cloverdale, on our block, it was a, a four-building apartment complex on windows facing the street, uh, so alley on the side, so you could look out either window. So perfect for if you're a sentry or a, a guard, if you're on guard. I pull up on the block in an unidentified vehicle. They don't know the vehicle. They know me. So let's just say at this point, I've been hanging out on Cloverdale since 93. No, 94, 94. So it's almost seven to eight years. So seven to eight years I've been hanging out on this particular block. I've been in this neighborhood for better, you know, for the better of my most part of my life. I moved all around, but... This was the epicenter. My grandparents lived there. My uncle and aunt live in the neighborhood. I've been in this neighborhood, going to the record store, everything. But I did, just hanging out this on this block in particular, people seven to eight years. So that means that means that the 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 person that's pointing this, what I would say in exaggeration, is an anti aircraft weapon, something with a very long barrel. In my era, like AK forty sevens were new and hot, and the weapon of choice. And oh shit, you got one of those. This was next level. Some shit I never seen before. Silverish finish, like huge. So SK something. They, they try to explain it to me. I don't try to. I don't profess to know, nor do I care to commit to memory letters and numbers for artillery. I don't play Call of Duty. I don't. Yeah, I just not really. It's not my thing. But a huge gun, anti aircraft, anti tank type of shit to me. I see it, and being that I'm part of this, you know, this this war, I've I've been affiliated for some time now and living with this stress and living in this war zone called inner city Los Angeles, I know to look before I get out of the car because we are, you know, they're like, they're, it ebbs and flows, but we are in a serious situation these days with the rivals. So, you know, why not just not come? I was living in Orange County. Why not come? Because I'm fucking, my friends are here. My friends are Crips, pimps, drug dealers, nerds, Christians. We all hang out. We play, we love playing Goldeneye. And I, God, yeah, maybe if, you know, online gaming was a thing in the early aughts, late 90s, I would have been at home in Orange County playing with the homies on a headset, talking to them, having beer and cigarettes in my own place. But this is where we go. So this is where I'm at. I look both ways before I get out of the car. I noticed that the homie, the little homie, now this, like I said, the, the point of me telling how long I've been on the block was that this individual pointing a weapon at me was nine years old when I met him. He's now 18-ish, 17. He's a teenager and about to blow my fucking head off. This is life for average black or brown kid 
in a lower income neighborhood in Los Angeles. This is what you grow up in and to be. This was a turning point for a couple of the young men that I had known because they were shooting on their block where their mother and their aunties and their granny and their, everybody lived, their friends, where they live. So if there's not a better way to recruit for the local neighborhood gang than to have the rivals shooting at people who are on the fence about being affiliated. And everyone in this neighborhood is on the fence because you love where you're from. You take pride in your neighborhood. It's your community. I defy you, or maybe these days, but I defy you to find any community with people of color that isn't connected. It's a very primal, I don't know if visceral is a word, but it's a connection. It's a human connection. So if there's a divide, you're going to side with your community. And then if there's a threat to the lives of the people you love, you're going to side with the faction, the military faction. And I'm going to stop. Yeah, I'm going to use it. That's, that's what it is. It's not a gang. It's a military faction. They are armed as such. And this guy, so the guy says he has it pointed at my ride. I get out like, hey, cuz, like, what are you doing? It's me. Hey, Nick, you nigga, you can't be out here, cuz. Like, this is blah, 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 you know, blah, blah. And, you know, I just walk it off and walk inside. So I don't get shot. A lot of the times when I'm telling these stories, I'm combining stories. I'm telling other people's stories. I'm putting some fiction in there to this song as I listen back. I'm like, oh, shit, like, this is just it. And if I hadn't heard this beat, I might not have got it out. And I need to get it out. And we'll pause here. And this is where I always ask fans of ours, what part of this resonates with you? especially the celebratory parts. This could be interesting to you because this is like, to me, this song is kind of like reading a newspaper uh, about what's going on in inner city Los Angeles. But if you listen to some of these other artists, it's just a party and celebration of death and genocide. And I use, I don't use that term lightly. I know what it, it's a buzzword right now, but I've been using it for years to describe what's going on here. Why do you think it's okay to celebrate? We We're processing it. And it's a poor way to process it. I'm not excusing it, but I understand why people who look like me and who have survived what I've survived or daily survived what I survived, listen to it. But why do you find some of this music entertaining? Does it scare you? Is it the thrill? Like, it's Halloween-y time. Like, is it a Halloween thing? Are you amused by it? But it's a real thing. This is not like Michael Myers. And even that, as I started to watch that and I've encountered people who suffered weird, like, deaths at the hands of maniacs. Like, I can't really even watch Jason and Freddy shit anymore. Like, murder and death is serious, but when it's, you know, so, something that was perpetuated and funded by the U.S. government to oppress people that you claim to empathize with or, uh, you know, enjoy the music of or appreciate the culture of or whatever your connection to black and brown culture in America is, it's you in your eyes, it's a positive one, but yet you'll listen to music that celebrates that. Now, if there was, you know, Ukrainians making songs about killing Russians, would that be on the radio? If there are Russians making songs about Ukraine, like, would that be on the radio? And if you look at the numbers and don't, I don't want you to trivialize, if you look at the numbers of inner city homicides and taking place and what the deaths taking place in some of these recent wars and even wars from the early aughts in the mid nine or early 90s till now, they're very similar. And sometimes when I've bothered to even look it up, the, the deaths in the inner city of in America trumps those in some of these overseas wars. 
And this war has been going on for at least 30 years. But no, I would, I would have 40 to 50 years. These wars have been going on in our cities, but we, because they're oppressed people and marginalized people, we don't, we see it as crime. We call it crime. <laughs> we call it crime. I, I will tell you that the borders of these neighborhoods haven't really changed much over the years. It's not a territory thing. It is a legitimate blood feud war, in my unexpert opinion. I think crack exacerbated it, sped it up, added fuel to the flames. But what part of this makes you want to shake your ass if you haven't lived through it? Why is it okay to you? I know why it's okay to me and it's fucked up and I've grown up and I've dealt with it and I've processed it, but why is it okay to you? I have an issue with some of my friends who have their top five have no black rappers in it, but when I've questioned them and they, the ones that I've questioned, they've said, I just don't relate to a lot of the shit that is said by a lot of you know, MCs that are black or brown. I respect that. It sucks that you don't have a, a black or brown person in your top five and you listen to black and brown music that was started by black and brown people, but ah, if that, that's a logical excuse. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather that than you tell me this trap rapper is in your top five. For what? You like dead black people? That's cool to you? My ancestors, I think, forgive us and, and, and maybe take pity on us, understand us, shake our head. Our, your ancestors are probably excited about this. If you're a white American, is, that, is this your ancestors being excited that gets you excited about hearing about the black and brown people killing each other? Are you like, yes, my great-great-grandfather's plans or his, his sentiment is continuing and it, 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 you know, the death of black people is something he worked towards or didn't mind being a part of or didn't did nothing to stop or and now he's excited. I like looking like I don't get it. But hey, to each their own. Which brings me to the second verse. It's about the police harassing us. Now in the entertainment industry, they have sweep sweeps. But it's Thursday in my hood when they sweep them streets. A whole fleet of the task that they simply call crash. That's community resources against street hoodlums. If anyone should ask what the acronym reflects. Put into effect to try to keep the gangs in check. Now they're just another gang out banging they set. Known for stirring up some shit when your hood is at peace. The only pig I know dying to create beef. But let me get up with my story so that all of Y'all compete once again. I'm on my block, right? Known as Cloverdale, playing 2K2 while I'm talking on my cell. Well, while I'm inside, eyes glued to the screen. Crash rolls on my homies with the Thursday routine. What's your name? Where you going? Where you been? Where you from? We say the same thing while they just play dumb. We don't gang bang, we got JOB. Still, they make them turn around and get down on their knees. Me, I'm screaming in the house. I just won by three. So when I run out on the porch to tell the homies, come and see, I see them on the ground and I'm like, God damn. Plus, I got the this black next tail phone in my hand they both yell freeze guns aimed at me and even though i dropped my phone it's plain to see the last night i almost got shot on my block not the block where i live at the block where i chill at where I keep first is you know from within the camp i could i could get shot this is what i'm dealing with every time i i choose to go visit my friends and i'm sure many of you enjoyed the early early and late 90s playing video games with your friends and didn't have these obstacles so, yeah, the second verse is, the first verse is about people from my own neighborhood, my, my block, trying to accidentally shoot me while protecting us. And then the next one is about the police. And the police are very similar to gangbangers. The police, to me, are a gang. Some of them are gang members. It's a fact now. But they come from the same social economic class as most gangbangers. They are just 
usually young, white, or brown men, very rarely black people, because we've managed to demonize protecting our community through the system, which has its pluses and minuses. I feel like if we didn't uh, say fuck the police so much, maybe we have a couple more good cops, but then they'd still be enforcing unjust laws that were designed to oppress us. So it's, it's, it's a chicken and egg thing. It's hard for me to process, but I wouldn't mind having some at least a couple people that look like me playing by this fucked up book. You know what I mean? At least they kept it true to the, you know, by the book and, and uh, maybe let us slide on a couple of things, you know? That'd be great. Like, one of the times I got hogtied for under, uh, underage smoking, probably not necessary. Going to jail for pissing in public, probably not necessary. I feel like if I had a, a black cop that was, you know, a little understanding. You know, I've seen, like, cops in New York, like, not sweat people from the neighborhood because they have to walk the beat and actually touch the community. So it's a little different. I think the people pulling up in cars is different. And also the way L.A. is segregated, it, it, it professes or on the surfaces called uh, a melting pot, but it is very much not. So if you, all these young people, black and brown and white and Asian, all, all races in America, if you're, hey, you don't have scholastic aspiration, what did you do? Well, in the 60s, 70s, you worked at a factory, the aerospace industry. Maybe you knew someone in film and film is the major export of California, one of the major exports. And 98, I think, for the status, 98% of the people behind the camera with these great Teamster jobs, grips, craft service, wardrobe, all, all these people are not black and brown. 98% white, as someone told me when I was on set one day. I didn't bother to check it, so you can check it. I don't know. But um, seems about right. I don't see a lot of us. Shout out to Defari. Um, Actually, I saw him doing sound on that brother, but like, it's so rare that you see a black man that, you know, oh shit, I know him. It's a great gig. Um, but they don't teach that at job fairs and at L.A. schools. Why not? It's our major export because everyone keeps it for themselves. That community keeps it for themselves. But if you were a quarterback in high school, a great old lineman, you didn't really get picked up to play D1, D2, D3 ball, whatever, or you just want to stay home, you got your high school sweetheart pregnant, you could get a job at the factory. That was how America worked and blah, blah, blah. Now, those jobs have been moved or disappeared or, or automated. What do we do? Well, there's an industry for drugs, or there was. Someone just brought this to my attention. That industry no longer exists, really. But there was an industry for homemade drugs, for crack, or if you're white, meth, you know, brown crack, like ice, meth. Those things, homemade drugs, there's a market for it. You know, Costco drugs, like, meth is just it. It's just homemade. But, you know, Coke, like, okay, it's like Costco cocaine, you know, which was designed to fuck with us. As you can watch Snowfall. So you get that job. But if you're a white person and you're not in a completely impoverished neighborhood, lower middle class, selling meth, eh, you're not out in Cudahy or Fresno or wherever the fuck that shit goes down, what do you do? Well, our newest widget of what we make now in America is criminals. So you work at that factory, which is in a black and white car, picking up the product off the street, which are young black and brown people genuinely, generally, and taking them to jail because that's what pays. And that's all, that's what we make now. We make criminals, and so yeah, they would do sweeps on Tuesdays and Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'm sorry, that's the the song. That's the hot boy song. Two of the hottest days of the week. Wee. They harassing and hacking niggas in that UPT. And OPB be rolling so deep. They be uh, fucking over niggas, uh, kicking in those sometimes. They be pulling triggers. You're hustling, better chill out, cause they not for joking. Making sure they come shot all day. They gonna be smoking, so I advise you just to stay inside. But Thursdays was our night. I think it's Thursday, and uh, 
They harassed. So we would be on, on edge, on alert. But, you know, on occasion, we would get caught up in the sweep. And it's really just a gathering of information. It's never really to protect anyone. It's the gathering of information. Happened in my neighborhood, um, Mid-City, which is which was predominantly Black. And 20 years later, it's predominantly not Black. <laughs> I think it's predominantly white or a very, very large percentage white. How did that happen? Well, it started with these sweeps in the late 90s. The gang thing got really bad. The riots, the more guns hit the street with the riots. People stole a lot of guns. And then... There's a lot more killing and just, you know, crack and everything's ramping up. Three strikes, all these things. But three strikes was to take people off the streets. But if you are renting in this neighborhood, as a lot of black people were, this is where a lot of duplexes come from. A lot of white people had huge houses. And then as black people got, are the deed to my mother's house in Mid-City said she was not allowed to, I saw it with my own eyes, not allowed to sell to blacks, Chinese, or Mexicans. I think maybe the I, funny thing is maybe Jews too. And it, the Supreme Court ruled 1945-1948 that you couldn't do that shit. So it it was void. Even though it was still in print, it was void. But I remember my mother showing me that on the deed. So what do you do if you, you can sell the house to a black person or you can do what your neighbors probably didn't want you to do was make it into a rental property. So you'd either divide it or rent the house out whole and keep it and use it as a source of income. So a lot of people weren't allowed to buy by the deed or because of, 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 of their, you know, low-income situation. They weren't going to be able to buy anyway. Or now it's not even an option to buy because we only want to rent. We're turning these into multi-unit, multiple-unit dwellings, which is to generally some, most times when it's black or brown people, probably not the best idea. So now, whatever, 40, 50 years after that, there's a gang problem Everybody's renting, but if your child is incarcerated, how do you bail them out? Do you say, okay, we're going to move to Palmdale where the rent is cheaper, and I'm going to bail you out? And I'm going to, a lot of parents have the idea of I can still work in LA, make the commute, and get my kid out of this neighborhood. But there are so many black and brown parents thinking the same thing that Riverside, Palmdale, Valencia, all these places kind of became just like the inner city. And all along with rap music and making it cool to be a thug, a lot of these kids didn't want to be a part of that. We were part of the exodus and I remember moving to Covina and meeting black kids and them trying to be like Compton and, and Linwood and all the shit I just came from. I'm like, why, bro? Why? Why do you want to be like MC8 and DJ Quick? I just left there, bro. Like, you can ride your skateboard everywhere. We can ride our bikes and jump on real dirt ramps and what? Wow. Like, we can go to the park and hang out. We go to the co the comic book store. What the fuck are y'all doing? But because the black identity, because the white people thought that these black people were cool and these were the black people that white America allowed on television, the black kids who didn't suffer the same through the same circumstances and had to survive the same shit wanted to emulate those that did. Imagine being a hardworking parent making that. You know, my stepfather was driving from Covina to Van Nuys. That's across L.A. from one valley to another valley to be a plant manager, a janitor at the time, to come back home. My mother was driving to Pasadena and back for her job. Both of them left in the morning. It was me and my brother's job to get, me to get us up and get us to school and came home to nobody because they were working a product. Now, imagine doing that and then your child still ends up on some bullshit gang shit because the white kids at school who would usually call them nigger is kind of changing now. 
And they're starting to like black people, but only a certain type of black person. If you're a thug, then you're a cool black person. If you can dribble a basketball, you're kind of cool. Like sports was the only end, but rap became the official end because white kids in the suburbs wanted to dress like, act like, talk like, walk like, be like the black people in the inner city because that's what was being promoted on TV. That is a problem. So it's hard to escape. But if you escape, if you're a white person, back to the, if you're a white person, what do you do? You become a cop. A lot of cops that I've met are people of white, white dudes that I met, like, just like my friends. They love to drink beer, watch sports, play Call of Duty, just like a lot of my friends that are Crips and Bloods. Like, that's it. They're the same person, but we've been divided systematically or systemically, whichever one it is, to, to make the product. We have to play the criminal. They have to play the cop. You pick up the product, you place it in the, in the jail, it generates money, and the rich get richer. And we die and get and get poor or maintain until we die. But yeah, that's how my neighborhood got gentrified. To me, that's what that's what the second verse is about. It's about the cops fucking with us. White people. My thing is, I guess, like, why do you find this music amusing? Why do you feel the need to drive from Silmar or from wherever you drive to my community to protect me? You, you're this altruistic spirit that is coming to the inner city. No, you want a job with decent pay and a pension because our government took that away from all of us in order to make more money because they get cheaper labor elsewhere by mistreating and exploiting someone else in another country. This is the new hustle for American government is dividing and locking us up and paying you to lock us up. You don't care for say so they would just shake us down to get information. But really, you know, like I've 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 sat in a cafe with my homeboy and I lose that term loosely, but uh, he, you know, I seen an officer pull him outside and I heard him like, yo, oh, you from such and such now? Well, you used to be from such and such. So we had prep gangs in LA, early 90s, you know, like most valuable pimps, homeboy, criminal gang, Fairfax, posse gang, not nothing but trouble. Nothing trouble is a different thing, but uh, like there's all these little gangs and they would basically like minor league gangs that feed into the larger neighborhood gang. Some people went straight to the big gang. Some people tried to keep the little gangs alive, but that's basically how it happened. And it, all, all of them turned whatever gang. All of them turned South Central Crips after they were South Central Renegades, which was a tagging crew. It'd be, it'd be a little more hip-hop, like a, like a, like a lead intro. Like, oh, okay, we tag bang, we do this, we, 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 we steal clothes, we get girls, we go to parties. And then it turns into the big homie say, all right, now we gotta be, you got to be really with the shit. Or you get into something... And you got to get, you know, like we were, I was saying in the first verse, like people start shooting up the block and you're like, well, shit, I was already kind of from this gang. Might as well just be with the real shit. And yeah, that's, so I've seen that conversation happen between an officer and a dude in my neighborhood. Be like, yo, oh, what are they going to think now that you turn? Because he was in a prep gang that everybody went to another gang. He went to another gang and he's like, oh man, I'm going to have to tell him that I seen you out here with such a, what do you mean? You have to tell him. Like, this is an officer of the law. Officer McLeod, I'll always shit on him by name. Like, fuck you mean, bro? Like, what are you doing? Or they would come pull up and be like, hey, you know the such and such are out here looking for y'all tonight? And like, first of all, it's to get you to admit that you're like, number one, we don't gangbang, asshole. Number two, if there are people looking to murder people who look like me that live on this street, maybe you should go arrest them. But they they rile it up and then they, you know, they, oh, they said this over here or they out here looking for y'all. We were supposed to then go get our guns and go looking for them so that they can, they don't come until the bodies drop. And then they can go investigate a homicide, hopefully catch somebody for the homicide. And there's also one more person off the street. 
That's the game. So they came to shake us down on a regular. This is one night where I was like, oh, shit, you know? And then I think this might be like me coming out on the porch. I don't think I did, but maybe I did. Often we would come out and like try to like create a number so that they would just leave. Sometimes people got handcuffed. Sometimes they didn't get handcuffed. But never once, and this goes back to the Varsity Blues thing where I actually had to go to jail. That's why it's so stupid to me that I went to jail that night. Never once did any of us go to jail from the porch? Whether it was the rivals or the other, the black and white rivals, the PD, you are not extracting one of us from our home base, from HQ, without serious ramifications. It doesn't matter if you're the police or anyone. If you come over here with some bullshit trying to take a life or take us to jail, best believe you will be confronted by numbers and aggression. And I still value that. I take that, you know, of course, with my family. And I used to take that with my rap family until I found that rap, this is art. This is not the place for that. That's the second verse. The third verse is a true story about my homie Terry being outside and motherfuckers actually shot at him and some kids that he worked with that came by to show him that they were going to prom and show them their car and their, their, their get-ups and all, you know, regular shit. American shit. Kids going to prom. Here's a here's a, a teacher or someone that works at their school, a counselor that they're fond of. They want to pull up and show them like, hey, we're on our way to prom. We appreciate you. And they end up getting, the kids get shot at and they shot at T. That was it for me. So I had a gun this whole time. I never let anybody know. Yeah, I don't shit that I don't even need. I guess it's out on wax or whatever. So I said, the homie took me to the house. I ran upstairs, got it. Like, what are we about to do? Because now, as now, this is great for you. Some of you, you people that I'm so evolved and woke and all these things, I wasn't even on the fence, but this situation pushed me to a point where now I want to go out to do what I've been trying not to do my whole life. This shit has been around my whole life and I've avoided dancing around it. Now I am 20 something years old, early 20s, and I got to get busy. Because fuck that. This is it. Like, I, I have been in different crews, and I know a lot of people say, oh, you're living legends, and you hopped into Def Jux. And yeah, motherfucker, I've been from Mid-City my whole life, and I've been from Cloverdale since 94. That never changed. Will never change. So this, these are the people I know. We don't have a lot of same interests, but I know go to bat for me. And, and make, I make the call. It's up. It's, it's on. To this day, and definitely back then. So this is my back against the wall. Your friends will be there when your back against the wall. Yeah, 21 Jump Street, this is it. I'm not changing. I'm not backing down. This is ride or die. This is it. So we're all in the house. Mother's like, Nick, why you tell us you had a gun? Because motherfucker, I didn't want you asking to borrow it to go do stupid shit with. But now we're in a, in a place of defense. These motherfuckers better know they can't come back over here without limping back. They missed and they shouldn't have done that. This is what I'm thinking, okay? This is what I'm thinking. And this is why when I see 
when I moved to Tucson and I would see these uh, overweight white males with their orange shirts and camos with the fucking Desert Eagle on their hip buying the new Madden, I'd be like, oh, okay. When close range shit starts to pop off and you got to pop back, I guess that's why you train so much because you wanted to be a robotic reaction. There's no shooting range for gangbangers. When motherfuckers ask me, have you, hey, did you, so you, when once this all died down, people was asking me like, so how many times have you shot it? I never, I'm like, for what? Why, why would I shoot it? For what? Do, do I need to use it? This be like asking me how many times I turned on my hedge trimmers to not trim the hedge. Like, this is a tool. This is not a fucking toy, motherfucker. Like, what do you mean? How many times did I turn on the lawnmower and run it over the cement to practice my lines? None. You learn on the job. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is how unprepared and uninterested, uninspired I am to be a gangbanger or to be anyone that kills anything other than insects and rodents in my home that annoy my wife and children. I, yeah, or, or eat my crops. Like, no, bro. No. <laughs> not for sustenance, not to eat the meat, not to defend the street. I am not built for it. I've reconsidered in recent years, but I will go do the training. But even in that training, I hesitate to see when you see dirt flying up and shit, or you hear things passing by your head, I, it, it takes a little bit. It takes a little bit of getting used to. So I'm a, I'm a couple steps closer to being ready. I think if I had to, I could maybe do it. Because I, you know, what to life is a lot of getting to the edge. And if you don't jump the first time, jump in the second time. It's happened to me quite often in my life. But I, it's not an edge I, pr I prefer to be pushed towards. I'd rather do everything I can never to be pushed to that edge. So when I was pushed to that edge, I dropped the gun. I was scared. I was nervous. I'm shaking. I'm like, whoa, shit. This is happening. You know? Uh, it's kind of like you've seen people put on the, the yeah, like, I'm not even going to go into any more metaphors. I wasn't ready. I'm still not ready. And this is the night before. I think I've covered all the grounds. I think we've gone off way too far into my stance on gangbanging, you know, my unpopular stance now is to legalize gangbanging. I don't feel like I want anyone locked up for a game that everybody decided to play or a war both sides decided to be involved in. And I think it, I think a lot of people do it because it's a game. They can call the police. They can do all the high behind people and all these other things. But if you made it legal for a few weeks, I feel like the bodies would drop. Motherfucker, it wouldn't be so cool anymore. Motherfuckers would see that we live in a in in a in a very privileged place. Even if you are an oppressed person in this country, I think as you look at media and you do your research, you will find out that you're in a very still in a very privileged place. It's a fucked up but privileged place, and uh, you may be able to process and let go some of that trauma and that pain that makes you want to go and hurt other people. That was, oh yeah, I, I referenced like niggas killing niggas. They play kickball with like I. Went to school in Linwood, Covina, and West LA. I don't have a, a lot of friends for life. But a lot of my homies on Cloverdale and, and from, from the neighborhood gang have been in that neighborhood so long that these gang boundaries didn't exist really as intensely as they did when everybody was playing Pop Warner football. So you can look at people who have killed each other. I'm, I was with my homie's mom that passed away, and she showed me people from the other side on the same fucking team they used to have sleepovers at each other's house so for all of you that are unfamiliar and lightly familiar through this bullshit rap music with gang culture that is real like i had to look at people that shot at people 
look at some of the people that some of my people were probably murdered and have murdered people have murdered each other, had sleepovers, watched The Last Dragon together, shit like that. Herbie Lovebug rented to had Blockbuster, even before Blockbuster video, like had video VHS Betamax sleepovers. And now they're ready to kill each other. Why? Like I said, like it's not territory. And especially in this era, I'm learning that a lot of my little homies, when I would come home from tour, the ones that became gang, they'd be asking me for weed and money. There wasn't a lot of money in gangbanging. And we'll talk about that on Dream Chaser. Like as gangbanging got older, it wasn't a profession. There was dope boys and there was gangbangers. My big homies around the corner just came home. He is, was a dope boy. He was in a gang, but he was, he's a businessman. Came home for like a couple of decades. He it has a different story. Like, no, this is not what Crippen was supposed to be. This is what it became when they locked up the Harry O's and, and, and the Rick Rosses. Gangbanging became a lot less, a lot more vicious because there were the, the CEOs that were running it like business, like treating the Crips and Bloods as soldiers to help them as they distribute their product and whatnot. That shit went away early, real quick. Not a lot of rich gangbangers. Damon Dash once asked me that, like, how did you not? Uh, you know, because he was talking about the reasons he got into the game. And I was like, yo, like, in L.A., it's not that way, man. There's not a lot of money in, in being, it's, it's a calling. And there, are war, there have been warriors in every culture since the beginning of time. America has found a way to pervert that spirit into something com so deadly and tragic in my community. I don't fault young men for wanting to be Crips and Bloods. You're naturally wanting to, as a, as, as a warrior spirit, a man, a woman, there are warriors born in every village and tribe. But to pervert it for profit is completely sinister and genius in the most evil way. Same pride that, you know, that they, they pimp out in kids from Silmar or, or, or where San Dimas or wherever they are driving in from to police these neighborhoods. Like, Men want to carry guns and be aggressive. Some men are, and women are born that way. They want to be protectors. They, and you twist it and you give them this ideology that's built on bullshit and hate and, and greed. And this is the problem we have. And this is what I'm trying to address in this, in this song. Thank you to Jism for the beat. Thank you to LP for the opportunity. Shout out to everybody that ever seen me perform this song. I, will, I might want to go back to performing it one day. Um, it sucks that it's still very relevant. Uh, and yeah, this will be the end of this week. This is a long one, but I love y'all. Thank you for listening. If you're listening, if you disagree, I'm I'm open to to, to reasoning as a Rasta and say, right, we can reason about it. I'm this is just my view. My opinion doesn't make it right, um, and it'll probably evolve and change. So this is an addendum to uh, the episode. I went home and thought about it. I'm recording all these before I take this trip down south and trip overseas. Uh, so we can even have a few weeks done. Man. Yeah. This episode is heavy. So I wanted to make sure I don't mince my words. I am not comparing statistics. I am not. War is atrocious. Death is tragic. Untimely death is tragic. Death is a part of life. Untimely death is tragic. Senseless violence is tragic. Violence was, it is reprehensible. What is happening in the world, all around the world. I 
just want people like who think like me to, to see the disgust and the horror and drama that isn't at our doorstep. The greatest trick the Devereaux pool was making the world think he didn't exist. For Americans, certain Americans, to call out the tragedy they see abroad and recognize also America's hand in a, a lot, if not all of this, in so many of the world's problems and not see what they're perpetrating in our own communities and recognizing that is crazy. We deal in a lot of death and destruction since the establishment of this nation. There are good things about America. I'm not one of those people. So I don't want anyone, I'm not, I've learned early being a revolutionary, wannabe, pan-African, whatever the fuck, and having especially Jewish friends, but also friends from other cultures, Filipino friends, you don't compare, I can't say 400 years is worse than 6 million bodies and, 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 and like, it's so what, man? It's all horrible. I'm not here to compare or say this is worse than, and I hate that I even had to bring up statistics, but I bring up the statistics to, for you all to see some of you that claim to be woke or that are woke. I'm not saying, I'm not insulting you, but for you to open your eyes a little wider in your wokeness and see that, yo, what's going on in inner city America is just as disgusting, or not just as disgusting as well. There may some things may be more disgusting. Brussels sprouts are more disgusting than broccoli to some people. But if you find vegetables at horn or whatever disgusting, then you know that's your thing. Avoid it. Don't encourage it. Don't buy it. Don't play it. The same way you don't support companies that are on the wrong side of however you feel this war is going. Or just in general, if you don't support war, don't support this music. If it's not, I just, and I don't want to say don't support the music. It's not, for me, I feel like soldiers have a right to tell their stories, but there are people who glorify it. There's nuances to it. And if you don't understand the nuances, just stay away from it at all. That's my suggestion. I feel if that's how you live, then you should be able to make art about it, period. As, as as horrifying as it is, I, I really feel that. But there are people that are just profiting off of it. And also when you think about it, to th understand the severity of it, think of a people that are experiencing, just you know, for yourself, do the, the Google on how many homicides there are in the inner city and how America has done the trick of not labeling it a war, but labeling it crime, black on black crime. What is that? How hurt a people must be to have to exploit their trauma via art as a means of escape from the circumstances that cause the trauma. How damaged a people must be or hurting a people must be to dance to it themselves and make it and put it to a beat or just to buy it and consume it and put it on replay, to watch it via television shows, whether it be Snowfall or Power, which are some, you know, very well-made television, depending on who you ask. But when to me, I have to take a step back and like, I can't even watch it because of my PTSD. And someone also told me that it's not PTSD because it's not post. I still live in Inglewood. I still live blocks away from um, my family went away for summer vacation and came back. There were two bodies that were on the corner, not literally, but happened over the weekend while we were gone for summer vacation for two weeks half a block away from my house. In the time I've lived in my house, it's one of four or three or four homicides in the general vicinity in, in less than a block radius of my home, which is possibly, I think today, valued at 900 something thousand dollars. This is the insanity I live with 
that is normalized for me. So that's what I'm trying to get through when I make these songs because there's so many songs that just celebrate it and don't give you a real perspective of it. There are real warriors and people suffering from traumatic stress that are making these songs as therapy, as a means of escape, and I respect that. It's hard for me to watch mainstream Americans who aren't aware of what's the severity of the situation dance to it, engage with it, and uh, I guess fetishize it, maybe. But I said we were ending on a positive note, and another thing that hit me is I didn't talk about this, because this is a thing. We did a commercial for Bowers & Sons Cleaners. I recorded this podcast near there, steps away. I recorded a lot of good music here, done a lot of writing here. On the way here is where I came up, or the God hit me with the vision for the name Merce. Um, taking my bus after school from West LA to South Central to help my uncle close his cleaners. Lots of ha- has happened. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for this place. An older gentleman, Jewish gentleman, white Jewish man, in his 60s or 70s, I believe, came into the cleaners. He's been friends with my family. He knows my grandfather. He's been coming here that long. My mother, my uncle, he asked my mother, you know, what's what's Nicholas up to? This is my oldest son. He just put out this record. This is like I said, me and my mom are on the right track now. She is my number one. I won't say my brother to me is my number one fan until he got married. Now he's his wife's number one fan. I accept that. I love it. So she shows him, I guess the end of the beginning, gives him a copy. My mom will buy copies from Best Buy. My mom has every record I've ever made. Uh, not, not that I've given them to her. So she gave, I guess, this man a CD because it's still before streaming. And he listened to it. He found this song and said, man, he said, this is my jam. And my mom put him on the phone. This man has seen it. Last night I almost got shot on my block. Not the block where I live, at the block where I chill at. Bro, he asked, and this at this time it's 2004, 2005. I'm living with Eli. We're living in the valley. Whew, never again, God willing. I'll accept the roof over my head, but oh my gosh. The, not, there's anything wrong with the valley. The valley's just not for me. Being an LA kid, the valley is a whole different vibe. And it's hot as shit. Traffic, and I don't understand... Winnetka, Van Owen, uh, Van Nuys, Ventura, the parking, I give me South Central every day. Give me West LA, give me Inglewood. But we're living in the valley, roommates. Eli's probably the best roommate I ever had. And uh, we needed money for rent. <laughs> the guy offered us to do, he wanted us to do a commercial for his carpet company. Eli produced it. <laughs> I wrote it <laughs> because of last night I got shot on my block. This Jewish man had us write a jingle, a rap jingle for his carpet company. I believe it was carpet cleaning or I don't remember. If I can find it for my mother or Eli, because I don't have it, because this is when I had a hotmail. I'm going to search my hotmail maybe on this trip when I get a chance after these conferences and whatnot. I'm going to search to hopefully play this. If I don't, just imagine what that sound like. 04 Eli Merce music style quality. Because we, like we, me and Eli have been making music since we were 15 years old. When we get together, even if, you know, as, even if it's funny, the uh, song Creative Differences, when we talk about creative differences, that song uh, was because of we were, I was listening to a lot of Nori and uh, Pharrell and we went in and we knocked it out. There are 
So I, what I'm saying is, I'm you know what? It probably slaps. We made a slapping ass carpet cleaning commercial for the Hebrew homie in the 70s because he liked the night before. If that's not a, a bright way, a comical way to end this on a chuckle, I don't know what else is. Um, I look forward to listening back to this. Thank you, Rob, um, every week for um, editing these and sitting through these. And at the last minute, I'm like, God, could you take that out? Could you take this out? So there's probably a lot of that in this episode because I feel like I say too much. I never want to offend anyone. And in this current climate and the access people have to each other, it's so fucking crazy. Um, and that this, I'm already an anxious person, but I overthink everything. I, say. I couldn't sleep last night. So like, I got to say this. I am not trying to equate anything. I'm just trying to get you to see the horror because my people, ourselves, my culture, my people, Black people, have done such a good job at sensationalizing it and and making it look fun and sound fun and entertaining. But trust me, this is only as a means of escape and 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 processing trauma. My job is once again to be the CNN on the streets till really goes on from the cell to yeah, you know, whatever I said in the song. Love y'all, love y'all, love y'all. Thanks for listening to the Best Rapper in L.A. podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is. If you like the show, leave a review on Apple Music or Spotify. And to support the podcast directly, go to patreon.com slash M-U-R-S 316, March 316. See y'all next week. Peace, peace, peace.